And hello, all you Lasso fans out there, and welcome back to Peanut Butter and Biscuits, your Ted Lasso fan cast from the Front Row Network on NPR Illinois. And we are here at episode two of season three. I know we never thought we'd get episode one, but yet we are here, and we are talking in parentheses, I don't want to go to... Chelsea, whichever way you want to say the title of this episode. I'm Jeremy Geckner here as always. Uh, my co-host normally is Craig McFarland, but he decided to ditch all of you to go spend some time at Disney World with his son. What a loser. So we are joined by the legend, the myth, the epic herself as our beloved Roy Kent. She is here, there, and every freaking where. Say hello to returning PBB champion Courtney Enloe. What's up, Courtney? Hello, everyone. She is back. <laughs> it's been a real series of roller coasters and attempts. That is right. That is right. Well, hey, before we even get going there, uh, episode one, what were your generalized thoughts there before we get some uh, housekeeping out of the way? You know, I'm still getting used to Dark Nate. Yeah, right. <laughs> and it's it's been a it's been a journey, but it was nice to be back with our friends. Indeed. Indeed it was. It was like a nice big warm hug that episode. I always said it's just like they brought everyone back. They laid the groundwork again. And now here we are ready to dive into the narrative. And boy, howdy, do we have some narrative in this episode? We're going to dive right in. But before we do, we have some much needed housekeeping, everyone. We always love this part of the show when we were doing uh, the series proper. And now we get to do it again. Uh, This is the part where we love to read the reviews that you left us here on Apple uh, over the last couple of of, uh, over the last week, basically, um, as we've been back. Um, so just want to give some love out here. Uh, I'll start it off here with D-H-Y-P-I-U uh, hug. I'm sure that means something um, there, but um, they said that they love the podcast. They also appreciated the tip to check out Trying on Apple TV now that Ted Lasso was on hiatus. Two high-quality shows, shout out as a U of I alum as well. So thank you very much. hug. Uh, I'm going to say that. <laughs> so that was our first review. Court, do you have one there that you want to read? I would like to read this one. The Jenny's Ice Cream of Ted Lasso podcast. Hell yes. <laughs> Joyful and pleasant top notes, yet layered with crunchy notes of deeper psychological analysis. I don't think it can get better than that. And you know what? That since, sounds amazing. Since Craig is not here, you get to take credit for all of these things because you are you yes. know, the host this week. So how does that make you feel knowing that you have that in-depth analysis, Courtney? I'm a lot like ice cream. <laughs> I'm the ice cream of people. This is true. This is true. Yeah. <laughs> I actually haven't tried the the biscuits with the boss yet. Ooh, Jenny's was ha- le- they were good enough to send us some uh, before the season. Uh, we did a small mini review of it on our season three predictions. Um, it is quite tasty. It's very rich, uh, very 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 rich. You cannot eat the whole thing in one sitting. <laughs> uh, Jenny's wedding cake is the best ice cream I've ever had. There you go. Well, Jenny's is yeah. just the best ice cream that we've ever Shout had. Shout out to Jenny's. Shout out to Jenny's. Sponsored by Jenny's. No. Uh, <laughs> well, also here from a review uh, from Salt Life uh, LW. Uh, they said, believe this show is as charming and heartwarming as Ted Lasso. I mean, we're done. We're done right there, guys. Best compliment ever. Uh, love the host's enthusiasm and banter. Well, thank you very, very much. And again, you know, Courtney, uh, she just has this wit about her that, uh, you know, um, I'm sure they might be talking about Craig, but he's not here. So Courtney gets all the praise. Uh, I believe we've got one last one here. Courtney, do you got that one? I don't have it, actually. Oh, no. OK, <laughs> well, I've got it here for you. Uh, Curious Gardener, which is a great name, says great host. Uh, again, congratulations, Courtney. Uh, Craig and Jeremy do a great job hosting this fun and lively podcast about the wildly popular Ted Lasso series that streams on Apple. Very good. Give everybody the lay of the land there. Um, optimism and infectious hilarity abounds as the pair really tune in and magnify the recurrent humor as well as the subtleties of the show to examine the story arcs and character development that has won over so many hearts. It's an engagingly good listen. Five stars. Well, Thank you very, very much, Curious Gardener. We think that your comment is five stars. Uh, so either way, guys, again, if you want to leave us a review on iTunes or anywhere, we will read it, as we just proved. We will read it here uh, with guest hosts. We will read it with regular hosts uh, and any other Dr. Seuss iterations you can think of. So, um, all right, Courtney, with all that housekeeping out of the way, are you ready to spoil some stuff and talk about episode two? 
I am absolutely ready. All right. I am also very sorry. My dog is in the room <laughs> because she snuck in while we were dealing with technical difficulties. Technical difficulties. But hey, the dog. So you may hear some like, oh. Yeah. She, well, she, she or he. I can't remember. She. She, she will be a good gauge of whether or not we're giving good commentary here. So. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Let's get into it. The spoiler alert is in effect. So our episode here opens uh, in the offices of Keely, uh, and she is uh, at her agency. And I believe this uh, music track is a mashup of Lizzo and Bill Withers' Lovely Day, if I remember right. I loved this. Yeah. This, this was pretty, a delightful song. Pretty, pretty cool. Uh, I really need to get this one. And luckily, Apple makes a series, so I'm sure there's a playlist coming. Um, so, uh, But in this, uh, we see that Keely is heading out. She's on a commercial shoot, and uh, Barb basically condescends to her about making sure they don't go over time because the agent he has to pay for overtime um and then keely makes this little off-color joke about you know like, oh we should also make the commercial good too right and barb just literally is having none of it uh she seems like a as rebecca said in the first episode fun uh and we're gonna get some more with her later um but keely comes up with this idea uh, maybe doing a picnic or something with the staff to get them to loosen up and uh barb de- declines without hearing the date or time and everything um and basically says that she's worked with these people before this is as rowdy as they get um but keely still seems pretty determined um to get them out of their shells she attempts uh, what i thought was actually i don't know about you but some like ted folk charm there with the whole like don't do what i wouldn't anything i wouldn't do thing and it just does not work at all it did not work with babs it did not work with anyone yeah yeah exactly but what, what's your read on this whole situation here because we don't we haven't gotten a ton of time with keely's uh operating like with this business but it seems like there's some struggles that need to be inherently overcome here a la ted season one So as someone who has lived her life in uh, the combination of PR and entertainment journalism, I really relate to to (laughs) our precious Keely. Um, They are very different internal audiences, as I will call them. Sure. (laughs) And you have to just kind of navigate around these personalities. And I, I just... I think such good thoughts about our girl having to navigate around <laughs> the very stuffy office emotions. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I, like I said, I really hope this is kind of like a parallel to Ted season one where she just kind of like takes what she's learned from Ted a little bit and like wins yes. over everyone because that's, that's ultimately what Ted's all about. He's all about winning people over with kindness and well, it probably has to start with Barb, but we'll get there folks. We'll get there. Um, we roll into our credits right after this. Um, and I didn't get to mention this in the first episode, but I don't know if you noticed, I love how many more names there are on the credits now. Like we've added Billy Harris, um, um, we've added um, Cola is now one of the main names there. Cola Bikini. Like there's a lot more names. James Lance. He got on there too. Trent yes. Grimm. So, um, you know, really, really cool, cool stuff here. Um, and I just love that there's more guys getting more play. Um, speaking of Trent Krim, our boy is back. My boy is back. He is here. Our luxurious like coiffured hero my god the hair on james lance um i don't know if you saw he also got to uh, ask a question at the white house uh, when they visited the other day that makes me very happy he literally called himself fake journalist trick grim which is pretty great um but anyway ted walks into rebecca's office as he does all the time and he sees higgins and keely behind the desk and in the first seat is our man trent crim um ted makes a comment about how they got a ziploc bag full of his hair ties at the lost and found which is fantastic but rebecca basically tells him that uh, trent wants to write a book on the team and he wants to be around the team all year and i don't know about you but i was really wondering how they were going to work this i thought maybe he would like take keely's job in the pr department or something like that but i'm glad this is how they're bringing him back i really love everyone being so like delightfully open to it until it's ted's idea and then it's like for the love of god no yes say no <laughs> and i like, love ted's i love how gonna be the one yeah i love how long that bit takes too yeah. like he, he molds it over so much in just that charming like affectatious way that like only jason sudeikis <laughs> can pull off but <laughs> it's, 
It's very, do you ever see that Mr. Show sketch where it's, I think it's David Cross and he's thinking yeah. about things and he's like, oh, no, 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 And it goes on for yeah. like 10 minutes. <laughs> like that was very that. You got to have all three of them give their own like little versions of no, no, by no means. Yeah. But of course, Ted's a great guy. He loves Trent Grimm. Of course we're going to do it. Um, so Trent Grimm will be around, folks. But the big text alert is what interrupts this as we learn that all-star striker Zava is leaving his Italian football club, Juventus, and now he is out there all, as a free agent. Um, they're really kind of mulling this over. Ted, of course, has no idea what any of these words mean. Um, nope. But they um, basically are talking this over, Keeley and Higgins and and uh, Rebecca here. And she says, like, you know, he's basically this gigantic diva like we've never seen those in sports. Um, but he, we also learned from Higgins here in just a little bit of dialogue that he's had 14 teams in 15 years. So that's fantastic. But I'm pretty sure he says, he, qu- he quotes here, leaving behind chaos and trophies, beautiful, beautiful trophies. So apparently he's very, very good. Um, but of course, Rebecca is not interested until... She hears that West Ham is interested in him and her tune just immediately, immediately perks up here and she decides, let's go do it. Let's uh, let's do this. And Trent even calls her out for it. And she's like, it's like, yep, that's why I'm doing this. And he says that he loves it. What, what's your read on this whole situation here with Rebecca and going for Zava? I also love my messy divorce angel. Um, <laughs> like yes. her relationship with Rupert. Rupert? Yeah, Rupert, yeah. The evil Rupert okay. Mannion, yes. Yeah. I just had a moment where I was just like, wait, Rupert, Ripper. It's all connected. Ooh, yeah. I like this. <laughs> um their their relationship is so realistic mm. and upsetting mm-hmm. that I just it's so wonderful. It's so wonderfully written. And I hate it and i'm mad at it and i want to destroy him (laughs) Mm -hmm. and i am with her on any journey to ruin him yeah well i mean do you buy kind of her new justification that she said in episode one where she says here i'm not i'm no longer interested in destroying him i just want to beat him because i don't know if i'm buying it yet I think they're the same thing, and I think she knows that. <laughs> right, yeah. I, she's not fooling anyone here. Yeah. <laughs> but this is interesting. We are going to have a full-on uh, run here for Zava. We'll see what happens. But um, as they walk out, Ted is asking Keely about running her own business. Uh, he suggests them to do uh, something together uh, outside of there. The quote might be a Tedism uh, later, but uh, let's just say Keely's example is a bit more extreme. And then what might be my favorite bit from this entire episode, Isaac just comes out of nowhere from the locker room very loudly and asked Keely to get him a an endorsement deal for shoes but no particular kind of shoes just shoes in just general. generally <laughs> general shoes which you know of course uh correlates with Isaac's weird endorsement asked because before he only wanted to endorse Rolos um in yeah. season two um Sure. Why not? Rolos are absolutely mm-hmm. delicious. But um, Keely also uh, sees Colin and Bumbacatch and then also Jamie. And this is where I'm, are you catching some vibes here with uh, with Jamie and Keely a little bit? Like, I, I feel like there's something here. So I actually was like incredibly intrigued by this misdirect where I thought that Jamie was following Keely. Yes. I and then too. he turns in and follows Roy. Yeah. So like I thought it was like a really interesting subversion. Of that, like, of course, we all think, like, oh, Keely's single, Jamie's gonna go back after her. I love that they were like more concerned with the Jamie Roy relationship. Yeah, because I, I thought the exact same thing as, you know, he and Isaac have the conversation and Isaac tells him about body science, which, of course, Isaac knows about kinesics. Um, Isaac knows everything. Yes, Isaac knows everything. Um, But you, you're right. Like, you th- you assume it's like, a, oh, Jamie's going to pounce here. But yeah, he goes into the training room to talk to Roy and in literally the most Jamie way possible tries to show empathy, which he yes. utterly fails at. <laughs> but, I mean... Kind of. I mean, it's also that Roy just doesn't know how to take empathy, especially for elderly Jamie. people. Yeah, <laughs> reacted badly to things because of the war. Yeah, the war. That's my favorite thing. <laughs> yeah, elderly people are skittish because of the war. I really just want to know what war he thinks that is. Because... I'm, I'm, I'm immediately assuming it's like World War Two. Yeah, of course it has to be that. <laughs> Everything like that. Well, this is an interesting heart to heart. Lots of these quotes I think are going to be coming back at Tedisms here, but I, essentially you're right it's just this off 
cuff like, you know, Jamie showing actual care for Roy's well-being, which is not something he's used to. Um, but of course, I do love also just the big fake that like William is just there in the room the whole time. <laughs> and, like, this quick cut over there. It's just like, don't you say a word either, William. It's like, poor William. But I was getting a little like early Nate vibes off of his like line delivery here, which is interesting because, of course, Nate was bullied so much as the kit man. And then Nate himself bullied William as the kit man. So I yeah. don't know. Maybe there's a personality shift happening here uh but either way i hope we get some more of william this year what about you i absolutely do and you know what we're gonna get to this this is a breaking news uh drop that i'm about to like drop on you nice this show has actually ruined me for william versus colin Oh, yeah. Because you guys have messed it up in the notes I know. multiple times. Uh-huh. Yep, 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 yep. No, this started with Craig a long time ago, episode. too. <laughs> this started with Craig a long, long time ago. And then, like, I think we yeah. just subconsciously do it now in all of this. Yeah. Yes, William the Kit Man, not Colin the Kit Man, <laughs> Colin the Striker um, on the team. Um, actually, I think he plays defense, but whatever. Um, either way, I hope we get more of all of them this season. Um, but let's get back to our main story here beard walks into the office and he sees ted reading inverting the pyramid of success and this literally causes beard so much concern because it's like ted's reading a book on soccer (laughs) and this is not the dynamic we have concerned beard is really the star of this episode as far as i'm concerned yeah yeah absolutely and there's a lot of different ways that happens but of course ted wants to ask him about getting zava and we get the first of three beard soprano yells uh, in this episode um which again brendan hunt just thank you for existing my man um but i i also found this hilarious because they show uh, like to show Ted that he knows who Zava is, he shows him this viral video of Zava stopping a grocery store robbery by headbutting yes! the guy, which is pretty awesome. Um, and I don't know, like, what did this do to you? Like, when like it came to, you know, oh, this is Zava. Like, because you know, you hear about the prima donna stuff in the previous scene, and then you see this. I'm like, this guy looks badass. It was a save the cat kind of moment where it's just like, okay, we have this person that we know is going to be some kind of like messy diva yeah but we know that they have heart right off the top as opposed to like jamie we had to learn that yeah yeah whereas like with zava it's just like okay right off the bat we learn if you are hurting someone he's gonna like just boop you in the head yeah and i don't know why i wouldn't have expected anything less from that like you know like when you hear about like this tale of like the diva sports star you get certain connotations in your mind i'm a packers fan i think of aaron Rodgers immediately Um, but like it's one of those things where it's just like ted lasso of course they're not going to take the easy stereotype of that they're gonna you know give it a lot of depth and and try to figure out exactly what that is there um we also get a great little uh, 11 11 wish bit here between ted and uh, beard and the only thing i'll say about this is i love that like when beard like corrects him about how this works you could tell that they've had this conversation like a million times (laughs) he's just like so frustrated with it it's just the very casual like that's my wish in time yeah that's just so good it's just so good i mean technically i think the wishing time thing works with any double number too right oh no no it's got to be all four doesn't it so you could do up to 555 i guess is, is the only yeah. other time you can do that um but 11 11 is a very very good one or as he says either 23 11 um but we uh <laughs> our scene is interrupted here as they hear cursing from the locker room um ted asks if it's about them getting zava and there's just a whole bunch of abbott costello stuff going on here <laughs> like misunderstanding Why everything zava write a book about, about Trent Trent <laughs> I love it so much. And here's another thing that like just a little small thing about this. I love that they're featuring the team so much more. Like they're giving these players like a lot of chances to shine just in these first two episodes. And I love it because they're fantastic. I want to learn much more about this. Um, But of course, uh, when Ted finally gets them to like come down to it, like, no, tell me what, why you guys are upset. Of course it's John Moss who um, tells him like, nope, Roy and Keeley broke up. Um, And again, we get beard with his soprano scream and Ted slowly, Fates, one of my favorite bits of this entire season so far. Because we are all Roy and Keeley shippers and we yeah. all react in the exact same way. Yeah, and again, I love like when Roy does walk into the room, the whole team just does the supportive aww. <laughs> 
This team has come Boys. so far. But of course, he's like absolutely furious about this. Again, we get some like language confusion here, but he does say that Zava is, of course, nuts, but he'll help us win games. So, hey, there's that. Roy is on yeah. board of that and everything. Um, and a great little bit where Ted tries to get um, tries to get William to go to his apartment to get us a breakup CD, and he has no idea what a CD is, which is, I don't know about you, but that was a little depressing for me. <laughs> That was very, very sad. Yeah. Yeah. There's a whole generation of people that like do not know what CDs are and they never will. And that is sad. That is just sad. You will never know like, like scratching the back of a CD and you can't listen to getting jiggy with it anymore. And it's just really, really bad. They'll never know what it's like for things to just jump and loop (laughs) and be nonsense. Yeah. You just have to live with the, live with the scratch for, for like that, that 30 seconds there and nothing's going to (laughs) happen. But uh, of course, while this is going on, uh, Roy confirms that uh, he is the one who broke up with Keely. And now this is a big uh, bit of information that we did not know until Jamie's conversation, um, which was one of my big questions from last week, you know, which of them instigated this breakup. Mm -hmm. And it's very interesting. What do you think that says about their relationship about both of these guys? We will actually come back to that later because there's a later conversation that like perfectly details exactly why I thought Roy would leave this relationship. And it's, it is clearly temporary. Ah, Zach and Kelly syndrome. I say this, I say this as a child of this split up couple. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I think that it, it, it really gets into like, you know, Roy's issues that we haven't um, delved into in this way. And I just really appreciate them kind of getting into these areas. Yeah. And I think I know a conversation and we are going to have a talk when we get We're there. We're going to have it. Oh, yes. Um, well, the uh, end of this scene basically is where Higgins is walking Trent Krim around and uh, Roy is not having this. Uh, he hates Trent Krim with a burning passion of a thousand suns and basically tells the whole team, you will or not, you are not to say a word around Trent Krim or I'm going to headbutt you into Hades, basically. So um, <laughs> this goes on throughout the entire episode here, but it also leads to a very funny Danny moment where he's like trying to just be himself and then tells Trent Grimm to fuck off. So that's a beautiful moment. That really is genuinely like incredible acting. Yeah. And it made me very happy. Yeah, exactly. So this is gonna come back. Um but from here we cut to Keeley's commercial shoot. It's a big club scene for some kind of drink of some sort. I didn't quite get all of that it was, but it involves a lamb named Clarice, because of course. Um, and, but the this scene really exists though to show uh, that she has met her old friend Shandy, um, who is a model in one of these shoots. Um, and I don't know, what's your read on like this Shandy Keeley relationship here? Because of course she's going to hire her later, but I don't know. I don't quite trust this person. I I really see this like, and like you know, obviously it, it carries on as the episode goes on. I think this is a person that Keeley sees very much as herself, where mm. it's like this person with incredible potential who can do like strong business, smart things, mm-hmm. but is also very much part of this world where she's kind of had her way. Mm-hmm. Yep. And she's just going to essentially need to deal with like her season one self and kind of like help navigate this person toward a more professional uh, grown up persona like she has. Like, I think it's really lovely. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. And I, I, I really want it to be that way because you're right, this could be a really good ally for, for Keely in dealing with the bombs yeah. of, of the company and stuff like that. And she does because show... I want her to have a work friend. No one is nice to her at work. I, I want her to have a work friend. Well, and she does show some acumen for this because the directors want more extras, which would cost more money, but she sells them like, put a strobe light in post and it'll make it look like the club is fuller than it is. And exactly. Very smart move as a video editor. I can tell you that that would work. <laughs> so um, very, very good there um we cut there from uh from there to rebecca she's reading on their computer about west ham is gunning for zava um and she gets a call from her mother yeah mrs welton is back <laughs> um she's uh supposedly on a spiritual camping retreat but of course she says she's not sleeping out there because it looks like there's too many stars that are looking at her sure okay. that is how i camp <laughs> yeah exactly i camp not outdoors no thank you camp please. in the hotel um, yeah. but she ba- she tells rebecca though that uh, she's finally gotten her uh psychic to consider meeting with Rebecca and Rebecca of course is just kind of like 
yeah, okay. Um, but of course, I have a feeling that this is not going to uh, be a one-off joke. I think this is going to come back in some way um, this season. But uh, after that, Higgins enters the office and he says that um, he uh, that Zava has basically said that he is not interested in going to West Ham, or that Zava is not going to meet with Richmond. He's not going to even meet with them because, as they quote, it would be a waste of time for us and an embarrassment for him, <laughs> which is, ouch, <laughs> <laughs> she says that. Um, but he does say that Rebecca has nothing to worry about with West Ham and Rupert because Zava has said he is signing with Chelsea. And Rebecca rightfully diagnoses this as like, okay, that's going to make Rupert want him even more. And then, of course, Higgins jinxes it, which we all know how jinxes work. Come on, Higgins. Yep. You got to get on this train here. Um, so what do you think of this whole thing with uh, Rebecca's mom and the psychic and stuff like that? I'm very interested in anything involving Rebecca and her mom like anything with their relationship like i want more of it yeah if that involves psychics tarot whatever it involves i'm here for it <laughs> absolutely um well we get made good on that uh, whole scene with trent crim not being able to get anyone he's walking through the club and no one will say a word to him and most of them like stop talking when he comes in the room and the second he leaves they start talking again kind of funny kind of sad um but it's, of course it's very funny and it's also like a spoiler alert when they finally all like breathe a sigh of relief where they're allowed to talk to him it's it it is very much felt by the audience yes yes we have the same exact feeling there but of course ted feels this tension so what does he do he pulls one of his stunts meaning trent crim and roy kent are going to share an office together um trent now occupies the desk once occupied by nate um and uh he basically tells roy he's like very silent the whole time um but there's a bunch of flowers and stuffed animals and stuff on Roy's desk, which is condolences. Um, and the, the card is from somebody named Liza. Now, I couldn't find a character named Liza. There is an executive producer on the show named Liza, but... Literally, that's what I thought. I was like, this must be a reference to the... Yeah. Yeah, the EP, because I there is literally, like, I, I scoured through all of the seasons, like, I couldn't find a mention of any Liza anywhere. I think mm -hmm. maybe there's, like, a passing reference when they're talking about other people that work in, in the building at AFC Richmond, like Laughing Liam and stuff like that, but mm -hmm. I, I couldn't confirm that, so, but there is no named character in any of the, the literature so far, so... I'm going to assume it's the EP. We all will. And a uh, fun little Easter egg there. Um, but of course, uh, Trent then mentions to Roy that it's going to be his first time back at Chelsea since he left the club. Because, of course, he was signed as like a 13-year-old prospect. Uh, or actually, I think seven. I think he was seven years old when Chelsea signed him um, and just kind of mentored him up uh, through. And that's where he, of course, won the Premier League trophy. Um, and it's going to be his first time back there. And, of course, this doesn't make him feel good. Uh, he takes a phone call and Roy pops balloons until Trent leaves the office. So <laughs> I could have watched an entire episode of just Roy popping balloons. Yeah, I mean, like, but pretty passive aggressive here. Um, yeah. But hey, what are you going to do? We got to get something there. Um, any thoughts on this scene before we move back to Keeley's office here? I just wanted more of it. I'm actually like, I'm in the way that Ted Lasso makes me happy because uh, beefs are squashed. Everyone's ordering off the vegan menu, squash the beef. <laughs> yes. um, but like, there is something like, I really could have watched more of like the Roy versus uh, like crime of it all where like, you just could have watched more fighting. Yeah. But like, I'm also really happy that it ended the way that it did, but the balloons <laughs> made me so happy that was hilarious because it's just so unexpected <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah okay I, I will i will leave um uh pretty funny stuff there but of course we are heading back to keely's office keely and shandy are talking and barb enters um and keely basically informs her like she's hiring shandy um you know on there and mm -hmm. man i don't know about you but i felt so bad for both of them in this scene because barb is not holding back the passive aggressive yeah. question asking here is really uncomfortable to watch um but you know she basically talks down shandy and Keely for even doing that. Uh, Keely goes to confront her in her office and she notices this giant desk of snow globes. And I love it because again, like Courtney, like this show is so good at like subverting your expectations of what's going to happen in a scene. Like the scene where she talks them down is so brazen that it's just like, okay, this has got to come to blows now. And even though Keely walks in there to do that, she's immediately distracted by something that's like interesting right. and unique. And it turns into a deeper understanding. 
yeah, it's, it's hard to be a boss is a thing I've had to learn over the years. And there is something about it that like makes you feel small and stupid. Mm -hmm. And so I've actually like really like found relatability in Keely's story this season. And there's something about like having this dynamic between her and Barb take this turn. Yeah. That's just kind of, it's very nice. Yeah, because it's definitely, like, I think Keely understands now why Barb has, like, her walls up all the time, you know? Because yes. she it's why she doesn't get close. It's why she doesn't engage with any of this stuff. It's all right. just pieces of papers because she never knows when she's going to another company, you know? Like, she might be whisked off in a week. Like, um, So, yeah, like, and, th- and that's one of those things that, again, I just love how it's just like, okay, we're going to get this big argument. Oh, nope, we're going to understand each other immediately yep. better. She gives Shandy, like, an official-sounding title. It's just like, okay, we'll do this. I can't wait to see where this relationship goes because I think it's going to pay off in a good way there. Um, but, uh, Hey, you know what? It is freaking game time. All right. We are heading to Chelsea. It's time for sportings. Yes. Sportings. I've been wanting to watch some football for this entire episode and we are about to get it. Um, we cut there, uh, to their first game, Richmond versus Chelsea. Um, we also get the crown and anchor crew. They're back. Yes. Paul and, and, and all of them and, and May and everybody at the Crown and Anchor. And they're, they're literally dressed up in like tails and top hats because they're back in the premiere. Like, I just love that little detail. They're all gussed up. Yeah, man. Just like they never left, as they said there. Um, so once we get back to the stadium, Higgins goes through this incredible list of people that had to confirm that Zava is, in fact, signing with Chelsea. Um, and I I don't, I, could, I lost count, but I think it was like eight people long, this chain um, yeah. of everything. But uh, again, though, he jinxes it, Courtney. He jinxes it again. Higgins, what Every are time. you doing, man? Don't do this. Um but of course we are here for this one an insanely heartwarming moment Roy enters the pitch again he does a fun little greeting with a security guard that you know has been there like his entire life and you know as he's feeling all of this stuff and I love how the security guard like calls out his breakup with Keely too it's just like everybody knows about this <laughs> oh man it's so funny but of course as he enters Literally the entire Chelsea crowd very slowly, but then very loudly starts doing the Roy Kent chant at him. And I like, what did this do to you? Because it literally just like lifted my heart. It makes me so happy when people love my boy like I love my boy. Yes, exactly. And I mean, like, look, you know, like when Troy or when Trent tells him that, you know, that is his you know first time back there, you can tell there's like some apprehension and it must have just done Roy so much good <laughs> to like yeah. just hear them doing that um, and stuff. But of course, the heartwarming isn't all there because as this is happening, Zava makes his grand entrance. We finally get to see Zava in the flesh. Uh, what's your read on this dude? <laughs> He looks like Macklemore. He does look like Macklemore. (laughs) (laughs) That is the best cop I think I've ever heard. (laughs) He's got the full on like fur coat. He's got like the the top man bun thing going on. Yeah. He's got a little ponytail. Like he's just got a lot going on. Yeah. It definitely, he definitely looks like a uh, mix of a couple of different uh, football players, (laughs) Um, but he, uh, he's definitely there and literally everyone is in trance. Danny, most of all on the field, like he cannot believe he's like in the same stadium as Zava. And of course I just love how Jamie just doesn't give a crap. (laughs) It's like, I've got a game to play here. This is what we're going to do here. Um, So we get into our game action here and Chelsea, unfortunately scores a very quick goal. And I'm just like, of course, like Richmond can't just like Richmond can't get the first goal and everything like that. Um, But it looks like it might be another big route, but uh, we get to halftime. And again, I just love how Ted Lasso does is just like, Hey, here's a game. And now it's half done. Like in the next shot. I love that. They don't dwell as a non sports person. That's what I require. Exactly. I think it does make the show like way more accessible. So appreciative (laughs) of the way Ted Lasso portrays sporting events. Don't make me like watch all this sports ball here (laughs) and everything. Um, So we we do cut back up into the stands and who has arrived at the stadium to speak with Zava, but one Mr. Rupert Mannion. Um, And again, Higgins's jinx comes into play here. Uh, Rebecca basically tells him to go and uh, (laughs) go and like go through his entire vast network uh, there to try and figure out what's going on. Um, 
Um, but this is a very interesting scene, though, too, Courtney. I really want to get your perspective on this because she tells the story about how she and Rupert met when she was uh, a bartender at this um, at this pub. And this is a very interesting way because she's basically telling Keely, like, what he did to me, he's going to do to Zava and he's going to get him. And it's wear them down. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> it's it's cult leader behavior. Yes, thank you. It's Yes, it's very much like the abusive, toxic man playbook mm-hmm. where it's just like wear someone down until you make them feel like they are so prized mm-hmm. that they have no choice but to say yes to you. So like it, it explains so much about Rebecca's character. It explains so much about Rupert. Like it's, it's, it's sad, but also so relatable. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. You're definitely right. Because like, I think the twinge of this and it's because of course, like Hannah Waddingham is just such an amazing actress, but like, you know, the twinge of it is just kind of like, she's kind of like fondly remembering this in a way, which is again, weird because like he put we all hell. tell stories as though they're normal because to us they are that's a good point yeah that's some deep shit right there courtney <laughs> this is why this is why courtney uh gets paid the big bucks everyone <laughs> this is why she we can only afford her for one or two episodes that's why <laughs> but no i mean it, and it is though just like this this great illustration of like what rupert does to get his way because you know from the first time we meet him in season one, we can tell he's a piece of shit. Like we oh, know, absolutely. we know this, but like he, he has this way of charming people that makes them do what he wants. And yep. it, and you're right. It very is cult like, and that, that's just a great call back there. Um, so well, well done. Um, but uh, so we cut back to uh, the locker room. The team is trying to strategize, but of course, uh, as Trent Krim walks in, they have to stop talking. And I don't know about you, but I absolutely Loved this because Ted dropped all of the pretenses, dropped his positive affirmation, calls Roy into the side room. He's basically like, this has to stop. Like, fix this now because you're going to torpedo our season if you don't. And the, I mean, like, and look, yes, guys, I wrote the entire Hallmark Christmas movie quote down. We will get to it later because it's the best quote of the episode. But I don't know. Like, what did you what did you think of this? Like when Ted literally stops his like positive affirmation way and is just like, dude, fix this now. I love when Ted gets real. Yeah. I love it. And it's also like, it's never written in that way where it's like a complete 180. Mm -hmm. Like he's never just like full on like scary Ted. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, no, you need to fix this. Also, by the way, Hallmark movies are. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. Like he gets real. And like, I love that Roy like reacts to it. The way I would hope somebody would react to, because, you know, it would be very easy for him to be like, who the hell are you talking to me like this? But Roy and and Ted have this relationship now where they can talk honestly to each other. And I just love that about this yes. because Ted has to tell him, just like, dude, you are wrong right now. You need to fix this. So go and yeah. fix it. And again, Roy has learned so much in his couple of years that he immediately calls Trent into the side room there with him. Um, and he pulls out a piece of paper from his wallet and he basically says it's an article that Trent wrote about his first game with Chelsea when he was 17 years old and he just roasts him like he absolutely roasts him and I had to write the quote down there because he literally said like you know I was 17 years old that fucking wrecked me and like that is an amazingly like vulnerable moment there from Roy (laughs) so I came to this both as like a fan of the show and a a a lover of Roy Kent but also someone who wrote for the internet yes in <laughs> this is where the, i was hoping you were going <laughs> in like 2005 to 2000 whatever where like the internet was a mean place yes and so Cram is just like i was trying to be edgy i was trying to make myself stand out and that's really what the internet was for such a long time mm-hmm. like writing about pop culture you were mean you were shitty and that was the way you had to stand out and it's actually like really sad to go back and look at your own writing and just feel this like sense of shame of just like i was such a dick (laughs) because that's what the internet was at this point yeah 
Yeah, and and you're right. Like uh, Trent, to his credit, literally comes clean with that right there. He says uh, he thought he was quote being edgy, trying to make a name for myself, but all I did was look for the worst in people, and that is such yes. a self aware line. Um, and again, I I don't know, but I have to think that Trent's interactions with Ted have changed him from that regard because I don't. You know, when we first meet him in season one, he's still kind of that way. He's looking for a damaging quote from Jamie. He's looking to publish like a, oh, you know, this American. He's the first one that runs Ted down in that first press conference. You know, like I I think that Ted literally changed this guy to the point where he's able to admit this to Roy. He's just like, I'm sorry I did that to you. Now, you know, we're both trying to be better. And, you know, and they arrive at this understanding. And it's just a wonderful scene. I, I love it. Oh, everything about this show I love um, but of course this means the team can talk again and you're right there's just this big release like of this like giant sigh that happens from the whole team <laughs> like oh finally we can do this and of course Jamie and this, these are these subtle little things man but like Jamie speaks up with this new strategy he wants to try and who's the first person that backs him up it's Sam Obasanya, the person that he tormented in season one was tormenting. Yeah. And now they're literally one A, one B working together to get the team behind them and everything and what they're thinking. I just love the growth of these characters. It's so insane. <laughs> All right, so we uh, return to the stands, and Higgins has returned from yet another telephone session with all of his informants, um, and he says that Zava, yes, might in fact be going to West Ham now, um, which of course makes everyone sad in the in in TV land. Um, but of course, Rebecca, she basically says like, you know what, screw this. If he's going to go over there and try to woo Zava, I'm going to go and try and do the same thing. And we get this incredible scene of passive aggressiveness between the two of them um, as she's trying to get in to meet with Zava. The security guard won't let him but now we know it's because rupert knows the security guard and of course that's how he got in um and what did you think of their conversation here just this like it's like this dance that they're doing with each other there is something about rebecca being so polite and smiley yes when she talks to rupert that is devastating i know I every don't single to, time i get the whole i get the whole philosophy of like don't let them know they get to you but it's like my god man like it's just the two of you and you know what a piece I of crap i just he wanted is. to punch him in the face i know man the, the most we've so got the best we've gotten in the show was the dark game in the diamond dogs episode which as is insanely satisfying as that is yes rupert is still there and he's still doing all this crap and you're right i just wanted to punch him right in the face man she's talking about like she thinks she's got a good dig at him he's just like oh i always thought richmond was your team i was surprised you bought west ham and he's like oh you know just got boring with the same old same old and i'm just like mm-hmm. god you suck so much um, but of course um zava does emerge from here um as well and he literally says to rebecca it's an honor for you to meet me which <laughs> Yes, just perfect. Just perfect. I, I'm yeah. going to love this guy so much, I can tell. Um, but he also does like this passive-aggressive thing. He's just like, you know, how lucky he is to have a manager who understands the game as much as Nate does. It's such a great advantage. And stuff. So it's mm-hmm. like uh, twisting knives, twisting knives. But um, what might be the best scene in the episode, <laughs> Rebecca finds Zava in the bathroom and tells him off like give me your like rundown of this because this was awesome it's clearly a perfect exit to her conversation with Rupert because she can't talk to him yeah this is what she wants like, to say she to Rupert isn't it needs to talk to him yeah so she did it to Zava she just unleashes on him yeah Mid-stream. and it's perfect and wonderful <laughs> and like it's one of those things and I don't say this often about this show. This is not necessarily a show where you like know where the narrative is going. In this episode, you did. You know exactly how it's going to go with Zava. Clearly, mm. he's going to end up on Richmond. Yeah, which was... You don't really know how, but you know he's going to end up on Richmond. And the way that it happened is so wonderful and cathartic yeah and good for rebecca and again like not even just the satisfaction of her like telling him and running down like a diva player like this but like she literally perfectly encapsulates what's wrong with these kinds of players which is they at their at their very heart are insecure 
They're very yeah. insecure about themselves and about their place and, and everything like that. And so she rightfully calls out. He's just like, if you were really as great as you think you are, you wouldn't go to a team like West Ham. You wouldn't go to a team that's going to win if you're there or not. You would go somewhere where you can prove that you're as good as you say you are. And uh, of course, she then, of course, tells him as he's peeing midstream that he eats way too much fucking asparagus, which... <laughs> That line broke me. That line broke me because I still don't get the the science of this, Courtney. How does asparagus do, do this to your pee? I don't get it. I don't understand. It apparently only does it to certain people. Oh, really? There are certain people who don't experience such a thing. This is this is insane to me. Are you telling me there are people who don't have weird smelling pee when they eat asparagus? I I'm saying neither of them are on this particular Zoom call. Clearly. <laughs> Um, but there are people who like don't know what this phenomenon is about. Oh, man, those people must have sweet, sweet lives. Um, good for them. Good for them. Um, but of course, back in the game, uh, the strategy is working here. Um, we get this wonderful sequence where Colin hits it over to Jamie, who bounces it to Sam, who uh, bounces the ball off of the crossbar. It hits Danny right in the face and goes into the net to tie the game. <laughs> which uh, they called this back that Danny almost scored this way in the first half. Um, so, hey, full circle here. Yep. Dan, Danny's face scores a goal. Um, and, of course, I love it because they're all celebrating and Danny's just wondering if Zava saw the goal and it just makes Jamie annoyed again. So it's just like, come on, man, just just get out of here and stuff like that. Um, so the game ends with a draw with Chelsea, which is a much better result than I'm thinking anybody was because if you don't know the Premier League, guys, Chelsea is a power in the Premier League every single year year they're one of the best teams every single year so this is a good thing uh, for Richmond to get a draw with them um, but of course at the post-game press conference this is where Chelsea is going to announce their signing of Zava and in the best way possible he informs everyone he just he's so matter of fact that how he says things which I absolutely love he's just like Zava will not play for Chelsea Zava will play for Richmond boom inspiring Marcus Mumford Tom yep. Howe music and we are off everybody is celebrating um, I think the crown and anchor crew uh like uh, appropriated the Jewish uh, Hanukkah song. The uh, they Hava. absolutely it was the <laughs> Hava Gendigula, yeah, yeah, Hava <laughs> Zava. Oh man, of course, this is why this is why football is the best, guys, because they come up with these chants and they're so much fun to do. Um, but let's get to this though, uh, Courtney, because I think you're right. I think this is the entire crux of this episode which is the end here where we get troy and Tr uh, troy why do we keep doing this trent and roy hey there it is that's why troy that's their couple name that's yeah their couple name there we go we get trent and roy and ted talking in the office here um and i love that it starts with roy taking the article out of his wallet again and ripping it up because yeah. it's, it's a very symbolic way of saying like i don't need to do this anymore um but the big beats of this is basically he asked him what it was like to be there again um, at Chelsea. And um, he basically talks about, you know, like sad or something. And then when Pre Ted presses him, you know, he talks about his like last season there. The very first game they played Arsenal, they beat them very badly, but he played so bad. And it told him that he couldn't play at the same level anymore. And that the whole year, that's all he could think about. And that after that season, he shocked everyone by leaving and by leaving the only club that he'd ever been at. Um, and there's a lot of great quotes here. I don't want to get to them yet because I want to get your read on this scene. It's the tie-in of like Ted very like clearly accurately pointing out like, yeah, when things are hard, sometimes it's easier to leave. Yeah. So like clearly they're talking about him and Keeley and it's, it's just kind of a, a, a very empathetic, lovely moment mm -hmm. that we clearly are going to kind of deal with throughout the season. Mm -hmm. But like, yeah, like Roy left Keeley because things got hard and it was easier to leave mm -hmm. than to face, you know, pain. And that's just... Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I mean, like I, I talked about this with uh, Craig in the first episode review, which was that you remember like when Keely is getting her own agency, when she's getting her own shoot and Vanity Fair and stuff, who's the insecure one there? It's Roy. Oh, yeah. Roy is the one who feels like he's not worthy of Keeley anymore in that moment. Mm -hmm. He feels inadequate. Or as he says it to the Diamond Dogs, it hurt my feeling, um, which again, <laughs> amazing writing, Brett. Um, absolutely love it. Um, but this is, this is such a great performance here from uh, Brett Goldstein, though, because he's talking about 
you know, he didn't want to be a broke down legend just taking up space until they, you know, like wither off and stuff like that. And that's where Ted gives him that quote that you said, you know, some people think it's better to quit than be fired, um, mm-hmm. which, God, that's some truth bombs right there, man. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, Roy says that today, you know, he never regretted it until today. And he says that he thinks he should have stayed and, quote, just enjoyed myself. <laughs> And that's like, but then he looks at him after a very long pause and says, but that's not who I am. And you know what Ted says back to him, which is just a very simple, not yet. Like that, yeah. uh, there is so much profoundness there. Am uh, I, am I wrong? So good. The scene broke me again. <laughs> like it's not, it's, it's not so even good. like just about that, but it's just like, you're right. Like Roy is literally going through his entire inadequacy. Oh, yeah. with both of them and the fact that he's doing it in front of Trent, Trent now is an amazing like testament to how much he's let go of like the past hurt but he still can't quite see himself in the way other people see him right right Brett Goldstein get get ready for another Emmy my man <laughs> I don't know maybe we should give Nick Muhammad an Emmy finally damn it I want that kid to win one <laughs> um but uh you know Ted then of course has to uh, break the tension by doing the nice little you know goofy eyes and <laughs> like then you never would have met me <laughs> and you know we kind of end there with uh Ted just in the office kind of like reveling in the good stuff that he's done in this episode kind of getting that deeper understanding so um I don't know what do you think of how we wrap up here what are your final thoughts on the episode before we get into some Tedisms. I really loved this episode. It just felt very like I love episodes that are, and it's it's just this show, but episodes <laughs> that feel like it's a whole cast like attack where everyone yes. gets to have like a moment, everyone gets to shine. I love that so much about this show. Yeah, you're right. Like there, there is just a true ensemble nature about this and like look i don't know about you but like coming back after so long you know like all the accolades that the show has rightfully won there's always a sense to me it's just like oh god is it still gonna have that feel is it still gonna have that magic that made it mean so much to us and i don't know about you but like through two episodes now do you think the magic is still there like are you still feeling the way you did i really do and i actually i i had some uh, hesitancy in the first episode yeah but this episode felt like okay i'm back home i'm back in like full ted lasso mode yeah <laughs> yeah you know we got some good sports stuff we got some uh you know stuff that we hadn't heard before we got some characters we didn't see in episode one and again just th- i feel like i'm getting a deeper understanding of all these characters in a way that's going to pay off i feel like it's really 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 going to pay off um you know and i kind of feel like these first two episodes are kind of the all right, let's get back in the swing of this thing, guys. You know, we've been away for a while. Let's get back up on the bike. Let's start riding it again. And I really think the next two episodes, uh, you know, or, or I really think the next couple of episodes are going to kind of really deepen the story in a way that's like, okay, now we're getting the stakes back and we're starting to feel everything that we're start that we're supposed to feel again. So, um, man, what an episode. What a fun time. But, Courtney, you know what time it is. Is it it Tedism O'Clock? It is Tedism O'Clock. Let's do this! Tedisms. For each week, we share Biscuits Truth. All right, everyone. Tedisms is where we give our favorite quotes of the episode. Um, I'll I'll go with a really stupid one here right off the top, um, which was just like when they were talking about Zava leaving Juventus and Ted just yells out, what about their kids? So good. <laughs> which is I exactly what Ted he does. Ted not understanding things, just like as a rule. Yeah. It's always good. Yeah, exactly. It's not there. Plus a little one that I don't know exactly what it means, but I'm pretty sure he says, catch you later, Pepe. Uh. <laughs> It was a joke about Cacio Pepe. Okay, see, I don't know what Itali- this is. What? It's it's a it's a cheese and pasta, <laughs> uh, cheese and pepper pasta. So yeah, it was Cacio later, Pepe. Oh my god! And now this um this definitely makes a lot more sense to me, and it's a lot better um because of it. Okay, Courtney. So uh, what's your first Tedism you want to call out here? So very specifically. Um, because Keely is my my light, my love, my life. Uh, when she's like coming up with ideas of how to get her her team <laughs> to interact together, she's like, maybe I could hire a shaman. We could do a bunch of ayahuasca under a blood moon. <laughs> 
just so specific. It's like, that's her natural inclination. She is like so jazzed about that. <laughs> that's what she came up with. And also, you got to appreciate Ted's response being not tomato, tomato, but clamato, clamato. Clamato, clamato, yeah. <laughs> Who has clamato juice? Like, I've never tried it in my entire life. <laughs> but hey, what are you going to do here? I um, want no part of it, but. Yeah. Um, I'll go back to Ted here for a second. Uh, to, uh, as uh, Rebecca asks, who doesn't love a handful? And Ted says, if you're talking about salted peanuts, yes, please. If you're talking about Skittles, no, thank you. The dye melts and gets all over your fingers and gets them all sticky, which is absolutely true. <laughs> I had a very specific moment where I was just like, oh my God, is Ted going to talk about the green apple versus lime Skittles? Ooh. And I got very excited, but he didn't. And that's okay. Because Ted Lasso can't solve all of our problems. Yes, I'm personally but a green Skittles apple had a myself. dark moment <laughs> for about 15 years where they had the apple Skittles, and now they're back to lime. And I think that's really important for the Skittles Corporation. See, now we're going to have to have a fight there because I think I prefer the green apple, but I don't Disgusting, know. Disgusting, but okay. <laughs> what are you going to do? You got another Ted has loaded up for me here? <laughs> Let's see here. Oh, beg to differ, Claudia Schiffer. Like, oh that's my God, that's that's the definition of a tennism right there. Beg yeah. to differ, Claudia Schiffer. That's going to be on the next round of T-shirts. I can tell you yeah. there. Um, I have to call out this one just because I think the the irony is so great in it when Jamie is like trying to show empathy to Roy in the locker room, and he puts this weird face on that definitely doesn't look empathetic, but that's like his best attempt at it. And He's doing his best, and his hair is so highlighted right now. Like he did his best. And I love it so much. Yeah, but the whole scene was so good between oh, them. So good. But he he literally, as Roy calls him out on his face, he says, What's that face? And Jamie says, It's called empathy, you dusty old fart. <laughs> yeah. Say, it's like you're literally not showing empathy with the last part of that sentence at all. But that what are you gonna whole do? scene was so good. Yeah, yeah. I also love in that scene how Roy tells him he came at him too fast when he was trying to hug him. <laughs> You came at me too fast. Oh, my God, man. Uh, All right. You got any more loaded in there? So, obviously, Higgins has a whole lot of uh, many birds. He's, like, basically Mm. the the guy from Game of Thrones. Yeah, he's Varys birds. (laughs) Yes. And uh, uh, was it Varys? Yeah, Varys. Varys the eunuch. Very Varys in this episode. (laughs) And so... And I was Rebecca that snapped and said, like, will you please go learn all you can from your vast network of lip reading massage therapists? (laughs) And again, it's sort of that Hannah Waddingham, like, quick delivery way that you're just like, how do you get all those words out? Right. (laughs) Well, um, even more from that, like, uh, when they go into halftime, Ted uh, looks at them all and says, like, right now we're being so unoffensive, we might as well be a Hallmark Christmas movie, which is just a great line in and of itself. And the whole scene where they're just like, <laughs> yeah, I, you know what? And frankly, I, as an American checking my privilege right here, didn't realize that not all nations know Ooh. the joy and the glory of the yes. Hallmark Christmas movie. Oh man. We've been toying around with doing what a like, uniquely American experience. We've been toying around with doing a Hallmark Christmas movie show on the network that would just like come up like monster cast every December, every year. And we're this close. We're this close to doing it. Um, I'm amazed you have it. Honestly. <laughs> I think, I think uh, Lou came up with the name hell snow, um, but I don't know. It was kind of like a hell no type thing. Um, but you know what? There is definitely one amazing quote that we have to end on, or not end, but like have to get out there. Courtney, do you want to do the honors of explaining to everyone out there what Ted would describe as a Hallmark Christmas movie? Hallmark Christmas movie is films that feature women from the big city falling in love with their childhood crushes. It's usually some fellow who owns a Christmas tree farm, but sometimes he's also Santa Claus or a prince. They suck, but they're great. But they also mostly suck, but also they're kind of great. I'm telling you right now, if that was on a t-shirt, I would buy it right now. Silence. It's so perfect. Hallmark should put that on their website right now. Just that one yeah. clip from this show. Just like, and plus, again, just Jason Sudeikis. Just amazing line delivery. The pauses are perfect. It's amazing. That could be the entire logline of the film spirit of christmas which is my favorite hallmark movie mm, and also uh sarah had to put in there is just like not even just also sometimes they're santa claus or a prince but also sometimes they're a knight calling out the uh, netflix film uh the night before christmas which yep. we reviewed with lou once upon a time and that movie is who buddy <laughs> that's a 
that's a stellar film right there. Yeah. Um, all right. Yeah. Well, the only one that, the only other ones I got here, not to, you know, not only just from that last thing we said, but um, I did love when Rebecca comes back from uh, dissing Zava in the bathroom and Keely asks, did you sweet talk him? And Rebecca says, what's the opposite of that? And she goes, sour yell. <laughs> she goes, yes, I did that too. <laughs> that is a, perfect description by the way like it's absolutely perfect she did in fact sour yell yeah (laughs) it was pretty pretty good there um but yeah i that's all i've got man that's all i've got for tesms any more from you i got nothing nothing but joy for this episode everything joy everything awesome um courtney this has been freaking awesome thank you for coming back on peanut butter and biscuits like you got to come back more this might be the last season of ted we get man this might be this might be the end all right and if it is we need more of you here okay so promise you're coming back at least one more time this season of course boom done that is a binding court contract um okay so (laughs) um all right well everybody that's going to do it for this episode of peanut butter and biscuits of course we will be back with you next wednesday at 2 a.m for all of you nighthawks out there um to get the episode three out for you of course if you want to know more from us you can find us anywhere you find podcasts um and of course on our facebook group you can search for peanut butter and biscuits where we're discussing all manner of things a great wonderful community there and just as a plug for not even our group Find the Ted Lasso groups on Facebook. They're supportive. They're fun. They're absolutely amazing. And again, they just really embody the spirit of Ted. Um, but of course, we're also part of the Front Row Network. Go to nprillinois.org slash program slash front dash row dash network um, to find anything else from us. Courtney, where can people find you and your amazing musings online? Why, you can find me at Cordenlo on Twitter. There you go. And folks, follow her because she is amazing (laughs) and hilarious, as you've heard tonight. But I do not do it justice. Uh, Anyway, that is going to do it, everyone. Thank you again. Uh, Find us wherever you find everything that you need for Ted. And we are going to continue this journey with you. Um, So for Peanut Butter and Biscuits, I'm Jeremy. And I'm Courtney. And as always, folks, be a goldfish. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Front Row Network, a proud Community Voices member of National Public Radio, Illinois. For more from the Front Row Network, including our articles or our other dozens of shows, visit thefrontrownetwork.com or nprillinois.org slash programs slash network. You can also find us on social media by searching for the Front Row Network on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram, and on Twitter at Front Row Reviews with a Z.